At some point, this season will pass. Uh, there was a day before the coronavirus, and there is going to be a day, we don't know when it is, but we are going to get through this experience. And this Sunday, I want to start talking about uh, what does that look like when we get to the other side. And I know we're not there, but today I want to begin to prepare us for that day, and I want us to begin to look to the future. Um, and the question I want to ask you this Sunday and for the next several Sundays is what will you take from this experience? What will you take from this experience? And I, I want to frame it with an Old Testament story. And this is a mental picture for you. And I'll use this for the next several Sundays. And it's a story that comes from uh, Joshua chapters 3 and 4. And you can read that. I'm just going to set it up today and paint a mental picture for you. Uh, the Israelites have come to the edge of the promised land along the Jordan River. They are in the wilderness, but God's going to bring them into the promised land. They have to cross the Jordan River. And God tells Joshua, the new leader, because Moses has died, that he's going to stop the water uh, and they're going to cross the Jordan River and really, the way I get it, in the course of one day, they're all going to cross and they're going to be into the promised land. And this is what he tells them to do. And you can look at this in Joshua 3 and 4. He said, when, when you go through that river bottom, he said, I want you to get a representative from each one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want each one of them to select a stone from the river and take it to the other side and he said, I want you then to set up a memorial of those 12 stones on the other side. And it will be a memorial because uh, it, will, it will commemorate, it will memorialize this experience that the day that you came into the promised land, God stopped the waters of the Jordan River. You walked across on dry land just as 40, the generation before, had walked across dry land in the Red Sea. And um, you will remember what it is that God has done in passing you through this experience. And then there's that great statement uh, that he says, In the years to come, your children will come to these stones at Gilgal, and they'll say, Mom and Dad, what do these stones mean? And you will tell them the story of how God uh, took you from the wilderness miraculously through the Jordan River and into the promised land. I want to ask the question this way. What stones will you intentionally bring with you to memorialize this time? Uh, we're passing through an experience. It will not always be God has a purpose for it. Uh, what will you take from this experience to the other side? How will life be different because you have passed through this experience? And over the course of the next several weeks, I want to offer a few suggestions.
of what I believe are rocks that we need to take uh, from this experience to the other side so that we memorialize what it is that God has done in this time. Uh, I have several thoughts. I have one thought today. One of those stones that I want to challenge you with. It, it occurs to me that when they walked through the water, there were probably a bunch of stones. I guess they had laid there to make it some kind of crossing. But they had to pick certain stones. And so I want you to get this sense that we need to intentionally select some things to memorialize this experience. One of the distinctives of this season has been time with family at home. Uh, in fact, it's kind of the dominant thing that jumps out at me. It's like, wow, we've had time with family at home in a way that most of us cannot remember. It's almost as if we have rediscovered home life. Uh, and I've loved uh, seeing on Facebook uh, y'all's uh, ways that you have spent your time at home. And several of you have planted gardens. And I, that's, that's a really neat thing for me to see y'all involved with your kids planting a garden. Or maybe it's been cooking meal time. You know, we're eating more meals at home. And uh, I've seen your pictures about the stained glass chalk drawings in your driveway of these art projects or whether you're playing kickball with your family or, you know, all kinds of things uh, that you've done. It's, it's blessed my heart to see almost this rediscovery of home life in these days because so much of our life, um, kind of our extracurricular things have been set to the side for now and we have this time at home. Um, the other component to this has been homeschooling. Uh, and that's, uh, some of y'all are at home and y'all are, uh, the school is giving you resources and y'all are teaching your kids at home. And uh, for me, some of the uh, funniest memes that have come out of the coronavirus shutdown have been about homeschooling. Uh, and I, I don't know. They've just, uh, I can't read them all, but they're really, they've been kind of the funniest aspect of this to me. Uh, here's some of my favorites. Uh, homeschool memes. Uh, day one. And just like that, corporal punishment and prayer was reintroduced back into school. <laughs> um, day two, how do I get a kid transferred out of my class? Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. Um, I saw this one the other day. My child just called me from his room and said he had missed the school bus and would not make it to school today. Uh, one last one, uh, and I've seen this several times, but it, this meme on Facebook said, if you see my kids locked outside today, mind your business, we are having a fire drill. <laughs> I don't know. I think some of those are funny. And, um, you know, so whether it's been uh, time spent 
in cooking or outdoor activities or time that, like you've never spent educating your kids. This has been a time uh, that is, it's been a, a unique time, I think, in most of our lives. Um, but what I want to challenge you with today is the spiritual aspect of time at home. Uh, the distinctive, part of the distinctive aspect of this is that our faith has moved from the church building to our homes. Now this is this is true in these days because we're live streaming and you're sitting, most of you are probably sitting in your living room, sitting down as a family. And so all of a sudden we've gone from inside the four walls where we would normally be on Sunday morning and we've gone to our homes. And I think we'll always remember these days. It's just a, it's going to be a unique slice of life in, 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 our, in our lives. Uh, the other thing, just uh, a week or so ago, in the days leading up to Easter, many of you that have kids participated in our Easter uh, kits in which you, you were going through Holy Week with your kids and teaching. We got so much positive feedback uh, from that. And I believe that one of the rocks that we need to pick up from the river bottom of this experience and take to the other side to set up as a memorial is faith at home. In fact, when I thought about, you know, what do we learn from this experience and what do we take from this experience? That, that was like, that was the dominant one. That was like, boom. No, our faith has moved from inside the four walls of the church building to our homes. Uh, I want to share one scripture, one verse of scripture with you today. Uh, and uh, this is what God led me to. And it's in Ezekiel. I know we don't ever end up in Ezekiel, but it's in Ezekiel eleven sixteen. But I want to set it up so that you understand what it's about. Uh, Ezekiel is in the land of Babylon. And in his day, God had pronounced judgment on the Israelites because of their sin. And King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians over the course of 10 plus years come in three waves to come and uh, capture, take off, and destroy uh, the city of Jerusalem. Ezekiel is in that second wave of people that the Babylonians took and carried off to Babylon. In the third wave, the Babylonians are going to destroy Jerusalem and specifically the temple. Uh, and Ezekiel the prophet in the land of Babylon sees a vision in which the Shekinah glory of God lifts off of the temple and moves out initially to the eastern gate, and then eventually the glory of God, the presence of God moves out of the Temple Mount. I think the sense is in preparation for um, when 
the Babylonians come and destroy uh, Jerusalem and the temple. God's glory moves from that place and it moves out. And years after that, uh, the temple is going to be leveled. And uh, the glory of God is not going to be there. But Ezekiel sees a vision of the glory of God. Um, and so in the midst of that, in Ezekiel eleven sixteen, 16, um, this one verse of Scripture, this is what God says to Ezekiel. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, and here's the phrase, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. All of the worship for the Jews centralized in the temple where the presence of God was. But God was sending judgment. And the picture that is given here is the people are going to be scattered. And God's presence is going to leave. But this, this statement that God makes to them, He says, but I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Uh, God says, my presence will no longer dwell in a place like the temple, but it will dwell in my people. I will go with my people. It's not like the presence of God is going to just be gone. But he said, instead of having a temple where the presence of God dwells, your life will be a little sanctuary, a little holy place that my presence will dwell. You know, the temple was where God's presence dwelt. Um, Ezekiel says it later in verse 19. He talks about how he's going to give them a new spirit. God's going God's to put a new spirit. In the midst of this, God's going to put a new spirit within them. Uh, Jeremiah is a contemporary to Ezekiel, and he says the same thing in uh, Jeremiah 31, that he's going to put, God's going to put his law inside their hearts. He's going to change them on the inside. Ultimately, this was fulfilled in uh, what Jesus did, and when the Spirit was poured out upon the early church, and God came to dwell inside of them, I think the classic statement would be Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians six nineteen when he says, And do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? No longer did God dwell in a place, but He dwelt in people. Now, I share that verse of Scripture with you in Ezekiel eleven sixteen, that the prophecy is that God says that I shall be a little sanctuary for them to say this, that now after the cross and the resurrection, your life has become a place where God dwells. It has become 
a holy place. And this is the picture I want you to get. When you as a person of faith where the Spirit of God dwells in, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you go to your home and corporately you as a family of faith dwell in that place, what I would say to you is your home becomes a holy place. And what I want you to think about, if, if that is true, how do I have a little church at my house? What does it look like for me to live out my faith in my home, that my home becomes a little sanctuary where God dwells? I, I want to offer a few suggestions this morning so that you can flesh this out and so that you can think about what does this look like in your life? Uh, because it's one thing for your pastor to say, I want you to pick up the rock from that river and take it to the other side and memorialize this time at home. And I want you to practice your faith at home. You're going to have to decide how you're going to intentionally live this out uh, in your sanctuary, in your church. How is it going to look at your house to have a little church? But I pray that we would pass through an experience where we would never be the same. Now, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I'm going to give you some things. And uh, I, I don't know that Amy and I uh, were as intentional as we should have been. There were some of these things that I'm going to say that uh, I'm going, yeah, 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 we, we did that. God led us to do that. But I don't, I don't think there was enough intentionality on our part. But I would hope that you, through this experience, would have some intentional uh, decisions to say this is how we're going to have a little church at our house and particularly those of you who have children at home uh, but let me tell you it's true for also for us as grandparents um, man one of the things that I realize is and Amy and I pray together at night before we go to bed and one of the things that just last night I, I prayed for is I prayed for my grandkids' hearts, even though they're so small, to um, be soft to the message of Christ. Uh, and that their hearts would be receptive to the gospel when they come of age. And uh, so Amy and I got some things right. There wasn't everything we got right. It, it blesses my heart to see some of the things that my kids do with their kids. And whether it's, it's Lindley Brook in Mount Pleasant, Texas, singing a Jesus song, or whether it's Hudson quoting his little Bible verse for the day, or whether it's Amelia Joy at the Cook household raising her hands as Hannah puts praise and worship music on the TV. Um, uh, that blesses my heart. Uh, you know, another aspect of this that I, I want to share is that um, Hayden and Kelsey have, uh, they've had, I think, five foster groups of foster children, either individuals or up to three, that have passed through their homes in the last two years. And uh, man, just being real honest with you, they've, those kids have probably come out of non-church homes, and they've passed through Hayden and Kelsey's homes, and I'm just being honest with you, they've probably passed back to non-church homes. And uh, you know, one of the things, but I've shared with Hayden and Kelsey, though, is they were intentional about planting the seeds of the gospel, is that God, 
I have to believe we'll honor that someday, even though some of those kids were so small, that God will honor that time, whether it was three weeks or whether it was six months, that they planted the seeds of the gospel. And I believe someday God uh, will, will bring that to fruition because of those seeds that were planted. You know, one of the things I would want to share with you is uh, somewhat of the urgency of this is your kids are like concrete that are setting up. And when they're young, they're formulating their worldview and the concrete's soft and you can form it. Uh, gets a little bit harder when the concrete gets to setting up. And so I encourage you, particularly when they're small, to be intentional and make sure your house is a little church. Hey, there's seven things that I want to share. And I want you to think of these in terms of what we do on Sunday morning. That uh, when we come to church, normally inside the four walls, uh, that we come and there's a certain environment that we create in here. It's a kind of a family vibe of, uh, of love and acceptance and, you know, that. Uh, but we also do praise and worship music when we gather. We pray. Uh, there's always scripture. The gospel is presented. Uh, we take an offering because we're Baptist. And uh, the challenge, even though we may not always say it from week to week, is that we go out and we serve. We take what God has done inside the four walls and we say, how is God going to expand his kingdom and extend the gospel? Through my life, we go out and serve. And so there's seven things that I want to share with you. Of just ideas of how do you have a little church? I think the first is so important and it's foundational. It's, the first is create the right environment. Um, when you come to church, uh, quite honestly, we want it to be a place that is inviting and is conducive for spiritual things. And some of that are just physical things of, you know, the air conditioning or the heating needs to be right. There needs to be a certain kind of lighting. Uh, we want to have greeters at the door so that when you come to this place, you know that you're welcome and you're loved here. There needs to be acceptance by the church family. And so there needs to be that family vibe as you gather. And I would say to you, foundational in your home, you need to create the right environment for spiritual things. Uh, I would challenge you that you create a Christ-honoring atmosphere in your home. And I'm not talking about on Sunday mornings only I'm talking about every day of the week that that you would live out your faith in your words and your actions and you would model a Christ-like attitude and so uh, the atmosphere needs to be one of acceptance love security peace joy um, instead of coming home and saying oh I can let my hair down and I can just be myself I would say, no, no, be your very best when you're at home because these are the people that are the most significant to you. And day by day, make sure that you're creating the right environment uh, that is conducive for what God wants to do in the spiritual realm. So number one, create the right environment. Number two, lead in worship. Uh, I don't know. Different people are different as far as music and music styles and music abilities. Uh, I would say to you, introduce music into your home. And sometimes, normally, we spend a lot of time in our cars. Introduce music into your car that's Jesus music. And uh, so 
lead in worship. This is one of the ways that we have a little church at our house. Um, I, I don't know. You know, some of you may pay, play instruments, and I've seen some of our families in this time that have sat around with guitars, and they've played and worship, and it's like, man, we're having church at our house. Uh, some, I've seen some of y'all just singing praise and worship uh, at different family events, and that just blesses my heart. One of the things that... And my wife's going to be embarrassed that I said this, and I'm sitting with her on the couch watching this right now, so this is a little bit awkward, but, uh, or I will. Um, is, and I'm not always around when she gets ready in the morning, but a couple years ago, our kids got us uh, the Echo Dot, and so, you know, it's like, Alexa! Um, I won't say that too loud, because it's, you know, Alexa's going, what do you want in your home right now? Alexa! Sorry about that. Uh, but Amy, I've heard her say it a hundred times. It's like, Alexa, play praise and worship music. And we have, we have an Echo Dot in the living room, but we also have a small one in, in the bathroom. And she'll say it there. and She'll sit there and get ready in the morning. And I don't know what it looks like in your home, but lead in worship. Introduce Jesus music into your home. Uh, third thing, pray together. Uh, this, yes, mealtime, bedtime, crisis times, before school, normally, when the kids would be leaving for school. Teach your children to pray. Make it a practice that we are a family that prays together. This is part of what it means to have a little church at your house. Uh, fourth thing I would say is read Scripture. Uh, Deuteronomy 6-7. Um, God says to Moses, or Moses says to the people, be diligent to teach these things to your children. And he has these little phrases and he says, uh, as you sit at your house and as you walk along the way, as, uh, as you lie down and when you rise up, but be diligent in all of the flow of life to teach your children uh, these things. I think the Jewish families were more intentional about teaching their children and uh, I think of we've just passed through Passover for the Jewish people and the cross and the resurrection for us as Christians but it would be a time that they would sit in their homes and they would teach their children their history and what it was that God had done. Uh, one of the things we want to challenge you with and give you some and help you with it is to do a time, a devotional time, whatever you want to call it, maybe at night for you as a family. And uh, we've uh, given you some information, uh, some resources to be able to do that. And you can sign up for uh, a text ever night that will be sent to you from the church that just has a scripture that you can read and a couple questions to talk to your kids and put it at their level. And just be introducing, reading scripture together, introducing uh, God's truth and just infusing that little concrete that's that's drying before your eyes to set the truth of the gospel in their hearts. The next thing I would say, this is what we do at church. And if you're going to have a little church at your house, I think you ought to do the same. We ought to share the gospel. Um, this is true for parents. It's true for grandparents. Uh, it's something I've already started to talk to my grandkids 
uh, as we went through Easter and y'all saw me do the, the resurrection eggs. That's, that's, that would be a great thing for you as a grandparent to order, have at your house, make it a tradition at your house to talk to your grandkids. Uh, share your story of how you were saved. So I've had this conversation with a couple people lately. You know, how do I share the gospel with my child and how do I lead my child to faith in Christ? Um, I think there's a couple things that you're looking for. Uh, you're looking for a conviction of sin. Uh, a child not only needs to understand what sin is, uh, but there needs to be this sense in their heart that I am not right with God. And that's one of the things that you're looking for as a parent. An understanding of sin, but also a conviction of sin. I think you're also looking for an understanding of the cross. And so as we share the gospel, we are talking about why it is that Jesus died. Uh, and how his death on the cross paid for our sins, but how then we must choose to accept that gift of salvation. Uh, and so I think we're looking for an understanding of the cross and making sure that child understands that. And that's one of the things that we're consistently teaching our children in the course of life and different experiences that we pass through. I think you're also looking for the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Not just a conviction of the sin, but a drawing to say, no, this is, I need Christ. I can't live without Christ. He is my only hope. And that, uh, that you sense in the drawing of the Holy Spirit that God has opened up their eyes and their heart to say, no, I want to believe. And there's an insistence that says, no, this is what I want. And I need to know how. I want to assure you parents that you have the ability to lead your child in the sinner's prayer and lead them to cross the line of faith. And uh, when they're ready, seize that day and lead them through that process of just praying and calling out upon God that, yes, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that my only hope is Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I ask him to forgive me and to come into my life and I want to commit my life to him. And uh, that, I, I think that's the way it ought to happen. And uh, I hope that each one of you parents has that opportunity to be able to do that. Um, another thing, if we're going to have a little church at our house, uh, the sixth thing is pass the plate. Um, and I don't mean literally pass the plate. But what I mean is you need, well, this is what we do at church. I mean, we're Baptists. We're going to pass the plate at the end of the service normally. Um, and, uh, well, if you're having church at home, you need to teach your child about giving and you need to demonstrate that in, in front of your child. And I understand that Jesus talked about not doing our works to be seen of men. I understand that. But listen, your kids are watching you anyhow. And so be intentional about what you're teaching them. Teach them uh, about giving back to God and tithing. Talk about that. Demonstrate that. And so when I say pass the plate, um, I'm kind of meaning pass on that teaching, that practice in life that as God has given us, we give to others. Uh, the seventh and the final one is go out and serve. Uh, and this is, ought to be the flow of our life at church that we come normally inside the four walls and God fills us up and encourages us, teaches us, and then we go out 
and we make an impact for the gospel, we expand his kingdom, however that looks in your life. I'm saying the same is true in, in your home. And your kids need to see this. And I would say in this time, in this crisis, your kids need to see how you're loving people as an expression of your Christian faith. And this is what they ought to see. Is that because I love God, God leads me to love people. And I love people in practical ways. And I would say involve your kids in that service. And that's a way, I think that's a way, that ought to be the flow of it. That's the way you have a little church at your house. And so those are seven things, ideas, suggestions for you uh, to have a little church at your house in the, inside your family. One of the things that jumps out at me from this season that we pass through is that our faith must be more than what happens inside the four walls of the church. Faith starts at home. Now, I'm not saying church is not critical, but it starts at home. And then we go to church and then we go out. But I'm telling you, one of the things that we learn is that our faith must be more than what happens simply inside the four walls of the church. Your circle of influence starts with your family. And we've talked about that this year, of how the gospel impacts us, and then it moves out in a ripple effect. I'm saying that first ripple is your family. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, uh, your circle of influence starts with your family. And I believe that one of the very positive things, one of those stones that we're going to pick up from that riverbed and take to the other side to memorialize this time will be faith at home. And I believe God's teaching us that in the midst of this. And what I would say to you is let's don't just go back to normal life. And I understand, you know, we say that, man, I just can't wait till life just gets back to normal. And... And yeah, there's some aspects that that's good. There's some other things that we go, no, let's make sure that it's, it's not normal anymore. That God taught us about family time and about spirituality and faith at home. And let's, let's be intentional and make some decisions about the way we're going to have a little church at our house. Let this time mark us. One of the stones should be faith at home. If you'd let me pray this morning. Father, I, I thank you for uh, an experience that we pass through that, Father, in many respects can be frustrating and um, aren't, isn't real pleasant, Father. But Father, I thank you that you're such a great God that you can use that which is less than ideal and you can use it uh, for your purpose. And I pray that one of the purposes that you would use this time for is that we would... Uh, intentionally uh, live out our faith starting in our homes. And so I pray that you'd lead us to very specific, practical, intentional steps to do that from this day forward. And we trust this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.